0: From Kim Hill to Ellie Hill, no relation, joining us for one of our regular chats in which we put new nutrition research findings under the microscope and we talk about various aspects of food and well-being as well. Dr. Ellie Hill from the Human Nutrition Department of Otago University. Morena Ellie. Morena Jim. Fried rice syndrome. Being warned about, I noticed by a doctor in one of the English papers, uh, leaving cooked rice and pasta at room temperature there's been a death involving a 20 year old student but he left his meal out an awfully long time days and then reheated it so leaving that extreme case aside the advice is don't leave carby sorts of dishes out of the fridge for more than two hours and of course the weather's uh, getting much warmer what's your opinion here
1: yeah, so rice is probably the best known one, but there's also other starchy foods like pasta that you mentioned or potato flakes or even powdered dairy foods like custard powder as well. And it's not necessarily the reheating it that's the problem, it's the leaving it out of the fridge. Because what happens is that you get spores from the bacteria called Bacillus cereus that can survive. You get them on raw rice grains but they can survive cooking as well and the problem is that if you leave it out at room temperature then you can get these spores growing and making toxins which can make you really sick which is what's presumably happened here. Now the key here is that if you do want to do rice and then reheat it is the fast cooling so getting it cold as quickly as possible spreading it out on a tray um, before you put it in the fridge and we generally go with a two to four hour rule so um, if you if it's been less than two hours you can put it you can use it or put it back in the fridge um, than rice perhaps Um, and you can probably do that for some foods for up to four hours but two hours is quite a good rule if you find it difficult to remember the two.
0: Why would you spread the rice out on a tray?
1: because it allows it to cool quicker so you've Ah. kind of got this like this danger zone that you go to so this is the easiest way to think about this is this is a similar temperature that your body would be at and that's the temperature that bugs like to grow at so if you can get it through that danger zone quicker you're less likely to have issues with it
0: yeah because some people are paranoid about reheating rice i don't know about pesta but rice at all but in fact that's okay you've just got to get it cold quickly
1: Yeah, yeah. And as long as you're kind of sensible with it as well in terms of how long you leave it for.
0: Yeah. okay. We're told the sugars in fruits are superior to actual sugary products, Ali, because there's a lot more goodness in fruit. But a big study out of the US reckons fructose triggers the urge to eat fattier foods at higher quantities, resulting in overweight. What did you think of this research, please?
1: So I think um, it's not necessarily that the sugars in fruit are better than sugary products. I mean, it's still sugar, but the difference is that you tend to get less sugar in fruits. And also you tend to have other things in fruits that are good for you, like fiber and so on. Um, so the fructose from fruit is not necessarily the problem. It's the Um, the, the thing that they looked at here was the high fructose corn syrup, which is a sweetener made from corn syrup. So to be fair, the levels of fructose are pretty similar to sugar anyway. And this theory with linked to obesity has been around for decades. So, Generally, um, the, the commonly held belief is that actually you get obesity when you have more energy in than you burn off. But the discussion tends to be around why that happens. And what this review suggests is that when you have more fructose, you get more less energy in your cells, which means you tend to start to eat more. Um, and so really what they were saying is that there's lots of different theories for obesity, but perhaps fructose could link all of them. And it is very much a theory. Um, it's kind of... You know, something to consider, but I don't think it's really changed the way that we see things based on this one research
0: review. According to that theory, though, anything sugary that you ate would then increase your desire for fattier food.
1: Well, yeah, and um, I think they were basing it on the types of sugar, but you, you know, it's kind of generally, I mean, it just sticks with a general healthy eating everything in moderation balanced diet and so on and so forth that we go for
0: yeah i mean it may still be just a theory but wouldn't do anybody any harm to reduce the um, sugar intake just in case
1: true but it's not something i wouldn't recommend that you drop fruit for no, instance no, to try no. And help this. no
0: no heaven forbid that i should imply that uh the dash diet May protect women from memory loss and cognitive decline, reckons the New York University School of Medicine. The difference isn't huge, but it seems conclusive. What were your thoughts on this? I suppose we should explain the DASH diet, shouldn't we?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the DASH diet stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. And it's basically lots of fruit, vegetables, and whole grains. Um, You've got, for the dairy products, you go for fat-free or low-fat versions. Then you'd also want fish, poultry, beans, nuts, and vegetables all. And you try to limit the amount of saturated fat. So this is stuff that you find in fatty meats, full-fat dairy products and oils like coconut oil and so on and so forth. And also um, trying to limit your lollies and sugar-sweetened beverages you have, so it's basically healthy eating. And what they did was they looked at this, um, looked at women's, women from the New York, so the the women's health study, which is a 30 year study. And they looked at their diets from 30 years ago. So their average age was about 46. And then they looked at kind of the cognitive function of of these women as well. So they had about 5,000 women involved in all. And they were looking at how lifestyle and other factors can actually affect the development of cancers. Um, is where they started but they actually found that if you were on this kind of general healthy eating dash diet that you were less likely to have mem- memory loss and general cognitive decline but It is a snapshot. So, what you ate 30 years ago is quite a big gap between then and now. And it's quite difficult to separate diet from other things. So, if you have um, a healthier diet, for instance, you're probably also more active. You probably have a higher income. It may be that the standard of housing that you live in is better, meaning your general health is better. So, while it's hard to kind of separate exactly what it is, it is another piece of the puzzle.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's interesting. Pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin seeds, we know they're good for us. Did we know that they can help fix an overactive bladder? This is in the Medical Express online, although the research isn't brand new. Is this so, Ali, with pumpkin seeds?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the research, there's a few studies that kind of look at it. Um, So generally when you have overactive bladder, you treat it through lifestyle measures, bladder training, medication and or pelvic floor muscles, Sorry, pelvic floor exercises. And this um, study that they're talking about is a review of two conflicting studies. So one of them found an improvement and the other one didn't. So what they essentially did is they pulled the data from both studies and they found that generally there was a difference overall. And the theory with this is that pumpkin seeds have chemicals in them that reduce swelling in the prostate and that can help here. But um, it is early research and there are other foods that can also reduce um swelling. So at the moment, the general, I'd probably stick with the medical advice and a healthy diet.
0: All right. (laughs) We always come back to the healthy diet, which is fine. Uh, Can wasabi, speaking of slightly surprising information uh, to me anyway, can wasabi improve short and long-term memory in older people? A seemingly large study in Japan suggests it can. Is that likely? Wasabi?
1: I think this is a really interesting study. So um, it's a double blinded one, which basically means that people who are involved didn't know which group they're in. And then also the scientists taking the measurements didn't know which group they're in, which means it's really good because it means that you can't influence things without meaning to. So if you already think that wasabi is going to cause a difference, you can change the way that you um, give the supplement to someone without necessarily realizing. So you can pass on things that way. So that's really good about the study. And what they did was they looked at it for 12 weeks. So they took this wasabi or the placebo for 12 weeks and they checked cognitive function. Now, the really interesting thing about this study, I think, is that they found some measures improved. So in working and long term memory improved, but they didn't find a difference in other factors like processing speed, your attention, um, your reasoning or your short term memory as well and I think that the type of group that these people are is also interesting because sometimes it can be hard to separate it now I don't quite know too much about the um, culture in Japan but sometimes when you have older people and they come in for a study just by being involved in the study can help them feel less lonely and things like that so that could potentially also impact it and the other thing I found really interesting that I couldn't quite see an answer to in the paper is the blinding. So I I, once upon a time did some study looking at chilli and it's quite difficult to blind it because you know whether you've eaten something with chilli in it or not. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to have a bit more information about how they managed to do that.
0: After 12 weeks, though, the feeling of being pampered and being an an, an important study, etc., would have worn off, wouldn't it? Um, And the cognitive benefits seem to remain. That would be my inference.
1: Yeah, potentially. But then even just by being more social for 12 weeks, that can also impact on your cognitive function as well, I think.
0: Okay, well, you've got to gear yourself up to eat wasabi for 12 weeks, which I imagine for some people wouldn't be that much of a problem. Uh... (laughs) No, absolutely. (laughs) I know you're not a complete fan of intermittent fasting, you know, time-restricted eating, but at the University of Illinois, they say it can help people with type 2 diabetes lose weight and control their blood sugar. Those who ate only during an eight-hour window between noon and 8 p.m. each day actually lost more weight over six months than participants who were instructed to reduce their calorie intake by 25%. In other words, that advantage was just kind of handled by the time. Uh, Restriction. Both groups had similar reductions in long-term blood sugar levels. The study was mostly among black and Hispanic people in the US. Interesting. Comments on this one?
1: I think um, it's not necessarily that I'm not a fan of it. I just think that food is more than the sum of its nutrients, like all of the connections and the social aspects of food are also really important as well. Now, um, what, what the researchers said here is that they thought that actually the reason why there may be a difference is that when you have diabetes, you're generally told that you need to eat fewer calories. So you've got that restriction anyway, so that reduction in calorie intake. And and this might be something that they've already tried and not been successful with that kind of way of eating. While people in the time-restricted eating group weren't told to reduce the amount of calories that they were eating, they ended up ended up doing it anyway just because of the fact that they were eating within a fixed state of time. So this is more, I think that it's a um, people find an easier way to change their behaviour than some of the current methods that we're suggesting at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. And people report actually eating only between noon and 8pm if that's what you want to do is reasonably painless, I think. Um, But that's just anecdotal. There are probably some people who will feel great pain at not having breakfast. Yeah. Dr. Ali Hill is with us. And finally, the age-old question of which dietary supplements are useful. Now, we, we know about vitamin D in winter. We've talked about that ourselves, uh, you and I. Maybe vitamin C sometimes. Don't have to get into that. But there's a school of thought that says if you have a good diet, these are just a waste of money mainly on their journey through your body to the toilet bowl. And yet... Analysis on the BBC is suggesting that adding nutrients to the diets of prisoners, for example, increased serotonin levels and made them happier and less violent. And B vitamins, it's uh, reckoned, can definitely help with stress and, again, obviate neurodegeneration in older age. Ellie, people swear by things like NAC for lung and liver function, horse tail for hair support, L-theanine and oat straw tops, and all sorts of things for calm. What is Please, what is the state of the science on supplements?
1: I think both um, aspects of this argument are true. So it's also you could um, end up just passing it through your body, but it can also be really useful. And it's kind of depends on the context. So if you have um, the water-soluble vitamin, so that's anything that isn't vitamin A, D, E or K, uh, if you have more than, it, than you need, it just ends up coming through you and going straight out in your urine. Having said that, it can be really useful if there's a nutritional deficiency. So if you're already struggling to have a certain amount of something, adding more from a vitamin t- supplement could be really useful. So um, and also there's certain times that it's useful, like folic acid during pregnancy, for instance, and um, vitamin D already said. But we know that we need to be quite careful with these kind of things. So there's quite a famous study that was done where they were looking at whether vitamin A could protect against cancer and they gave quite high levels of it. And they actually had to stop the study partway through because they found the opposite was true. And so that those who had the super high levels of vitamin A were more likely to get more severe cancers. So, yeah. you know, got to be quite careful with it as well um other places it can be good are if you are on a diet where you're excluding food groups if you've got a limited amount of time that you can go outside and that kind of things and so the study that was done with the prisoners is kind of the theory was um that it's it's the serotonin that is important because it's um formulated by certain you need certain nutrients to be able to make it so if you don't have those nutrients then it's kind of like trying to build a lego set without all the pieces so it's just adding a bit more there so again I guess it also comes down to the fact that um, yes if you're deficient then that could be quite useful but um, what would be interesting to know is the types of diets that they were on at the time so is it something that could have been improved by altering the food quality rather than having supplements but you know it's just one of those things that it's it's an extra piece of the puzzle and it just adds a bit more information to what we already know
0: One issue here is that obviously, with all the bombardment of health information across media, even those of us who eat quite well wonder if we're somehow deficient in a way that we don't really know. Maybe we get stressed and think, God, am I taking enough vitamin B3? That must be a problem in the modern world, isn't it?
1: think it absolutely is and you also kind of have to think about where you're getting your information from so are you seeing an advert that says that you would be healthier and better if you took these vitamins and then getting your information from there because obviously they're trying to sell you something and you have to kind of take that into account so take it with a pinch of salt really Um, but I think it's quite natural to think about Well, maybe it's down to my diet, but actually maybe it's down to something else. Maybe it's down to needing more sleep, needing, you know, ideally reducing your stress in another way. But um, it's kind of in our modern lifestyle, that can be quite difficult to do. And I think it's quite a common thing to go for the quick fix, like something in a bottle rather than, um, you know, looking at any other aspects of it.
0: Okay. so my final inference from what you've just said is that vitamin D, as you say, we know about, maybe all the others are obviated the need for is obviated by a good solid and that you can probably all we can probably all ensure what that is a good solid sort of diet
1: yeah essentially at the moment yeah until things change and we get more research saying something else that's kind of what I go with
0: very good thank you for your time as always really appreciate you coming on
1: Um, no problem thank you